0: Welcome to Playmakers Impact Unleashed, your all access pass to the game changers of today and the history makers of tomorrow. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, sports industry veteran, author and speaker, founder of Purpose Labs, and your guide through an inspiring journey of courage, comeback and transformation. Let's take a no BS look beyond the trophy cabinet to unleash every guest's impact and how they've achieved both success and significance so we can apply those same purpose-driven principles in our own lives and careers. As playmakers, let's get ready to lock arms and take action so we can all level up and make a play together. On today's show, we are welcoming in Helene Knapp, founder of City Row, an in-studio and at-home rowing experience that is literally blowing up across the US. And Helene is one of the most amazing entrepreneurs that I've come across. She's had to persevere through massive setbacks that would have derailed most, but not her. And you're gonna hear all about that. We're gonna talk through how in the current times, Even given the challenges of the pandemic and beyond, we can seek to seize opportunities. We'll also talk about her entire entrepreneurial journey, both personal and professional, to understand what does it really take to thrive and survive as an entrepreneur. Trust me, she gets super raw, super candid, and super vulnerable you'll hear how often the theme of rejection has entered her life, including her four must-have keys to entrepreneurship and business overall if you want to overcome the inevitable adversities ahead. Helene also challenges us to deeply understand ourselves. What motivates us? What are our strengths and weaknesses? How can we best manage our energy both by knowing what drains us And what fills us up with an endgame of finding what we are called to do. Can't wait to introduce you to Helene. And at the close of today's conversation, check out our Make a Play activity from my time at the 49ers, where we unpack the four cornerstones of intrinsic motivation, as that is a key theme Helene and I will explore. Big thanks to Audible.com for being a sponsor of today's show. As Playmakers, we're all about leveling up and lifelong learning. So what could be better than a free audiobook and 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com? With over 200,000 titles to choose from, there is no limit to what you can explore. Perhaps... And these are just a few of my personal favorites. You want to check out The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Consider this chicken soup for the soul of personal growth. Or maybe you dive into Grit by Angela Duckworth, where she unpacks the power of what happens when passion meets perseverance. Again, to download your free audiobook today, go to audible.com. Dot PlaymakersPod.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to welcome in Helene Knapp. And here's a little bit of the backstory. After spending years climbing the corporate ladder, Helene left the world of publishing for Startup Life. Group fitness was her outlet, and after a major physical setback that you're going to hear about in our conversation, Helene persevered and went on to found City Row. An in-studio rowing fitness experience, which has now scaled across the United States, in-studio, and in-homes. Helene has been featured as a business leader and a wellness expert on Today, Women's Health, ABC, Vogue, Yahoo Finance, and People, among many others. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce our latest playmaker, Helene Knapp. Helene, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing?
1: Awesome, Paul. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. And on behalf of the playmaker community, we're fired up to dive into the combo. We've seen the bio, but as we all know and we were just talking offline about what's on stage versus off stage relative to entrepreneurship. So now let's tackle that on stage versus off stage relative to life. And, and the one thing that I was really fascinated about when we initially got connected was here we are, we're forging forward in 2021. We all know what changed and what happened in the calendar year of 2020, you had a really refreshing perspective that I'd love to shine a light on. You said 2020 was a year of seizing opportunities. And that resonates not only with me, but I think with everybody listening. And so as we reflect back on last calendar year, talk to us. 2020 was a year of...
1: I liked what I said about seizing opportunities. I'll, I'll play on that. <laughs> That's um, the mic drop. Yeah, I really you really can't exceed that when it comes to just capturing it. And listen, I'm a I'm a glass half full kind of gal um which, yeah. you know, plays nicely into seizing opportunities last year, but I think listen, we were all thrown off. Right? Yep. Off whatever your, you know, normal cadence is and you can either sit there and let let things shake you or you can say all right, I'm in it. How do I make the most of it? And for me, Mm -hmm. that's the approach that I took, not just for all areas of our business, but also personally. So personally, I was like, all right, I don't have to be in New York city. Where do I want to be? And so I went out West. I hustled during the day and hiked at night. I spent lots of quality time with friends throughout the year, decided to come down to Miami for the winter and similarly, on the business side, where are the opportunities? Where are the areas that we need to really, you know, focus some energy to make sure that that we're taking good care of them and protect them for when sure. things come back? Um, but I, I really, I really do think that if you're an entrepreneur and a creative thinker, 2020 was actually a year of finding some fun and innovation. And so that is for sure how we how we tackle 2020.
0: Yeah. So you talk about at the end, finding fun and finding innovation. So for everybody listening in, those are two words that appeal to the Playmaker community greatly. Everybody wants to have a great time in life. Of course, a great life overall, but just those moments of happiness and joy and fulfillment and the other things that lead up to fun. And then you mentioned innovation. So we hear a lot of things such as new normal, pivot. Reinvention. I almost feel like we're getting fatigued of hearing those things, but they are reality in the current state. So if we tackle innovation, whether you want to tackle this on a personal level or professional level, how can we tactically come into a space where we say, if this is me today, how can I innovate my life to level up tomorrow? Like what's one practical or tactical thing that you've had success with relative to innovation?
1: Yeah. It's a great question. I think the one thing that comes to mind when you think about innovation, and what I think of last year, is it was the afternoon of March fifteenth. Yeah, and that was the Sunday where you know on Friday we were like, "What's going to happen here?" Um, mm-hmm. And then you know on Saturday we were like, "Are we going to close our studios?" No, we want to be here. It's important for people to be able to work out. And then from like ten a.m. Sunday to five p.m. Sunday, we went a one eighty on mm-hmm. no, we're not going to open to how quickly can we close and then immediately okay we're in a new we're in a new world right that yeah. door a door has shut but a new door has opened and if we are no longer operating studios which we've been doing for 7 years then where where what's next what is the community looking for and so i think that it's a constant you know mm. how often it was—it was refreshing, right? How often can you take yourself out of the minutia and the day-to-day emails and you know to-do lists and say, "Okay, it's time for a little bit of a reset." We're not in the same place that we were a week, a month, a year ago. What does the mm-hmm. new normal look like, and how am I approaching every single day for that changing environment, and that changing world? And we had so much innovation that afternoon, Paul. I can remember the conversation <laughs> with my co-founder Ashley where we're like we're going to do Instagram videos, we're going to tap our trainers, we have an infrastructure, we have this, we have that. And it was actually reminded me of the early days of entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah. All all right. I'm so glad you took us there because we've been talking a lot about the present times. Now, entrepreneurial, we're going to wrap on journey. So go back to yester yester, year, if you will. So today you are sitting On top of both City Row, City Row Go, and please continue to add behind those commas if there is more. But I'm so uh, just impassioned by your journey and, and it's a fascinating backstory. So if you could bring our entire community in about just the foundation, that origin story, even before you cut the ribbon off of it there was uh let's call it a setback and i'm going to give it a rated g title you can go as rated r as you want to go with this response but really what spawned it what inspired it how do you, how did city row come to be founded
1: it's it's definitely a story paul um yeah. i'll give you the, the quick and dirty so just before city row i actually built my career in enterprise software Um, in the social media world. So it was kind of sexy, but uh, we Mm -hmm. were helping brands understand the world of social media and then helping them leverage it to drive their business. And just simultaneously on the personal side of things, I got really into boutique fitness and taking good care of myself. And I was taking all these spin classes and boot camp and all the things. And unfortunately, I started to not feel so good and found out that I had three herniated discs in my lower back.
0: Holy smokes.
1: So talk about the initial setback. Like, I was on this path, I was crushing it in the SaaS software world, and I was working out all the time, and then boom, out of nowhere, I'm really injured and completely sidelined.
0: And how long did that last for? Because I I mean, I'm sure everybody listening, and it's like, holy shit, like you you blew out your back, right?
1: Blew out it, my back. It was actually gradual over many months, and I did PT, and I eventually had surgery. Yeah. Um, and it was really that that forced me to take a step back and look and say, okay, what I've been doing for so long isn't working. Why? Mm-hmm. And based off of the information that I have today, which is different than I had yesterday, how am I going to change course? And where do I see opportunity? And the realization for me was, oh my God, I thought that I was doing everything right and treating my body in the right way. Oh my God, I wasn't. hmm and so it was really that revelation that pushed me to think way outside the box of, okay, where is there a low impact, high intensity way to work out? Because I now need something different. And it was yeah. that realization that led me to rowing and also realizing that everyone else needed something different as well.
0: Got it. So, what was it? it so, you landed on rowing and you, I understand, lower impact higher intensity so you're looking for the best results but something that especially with your with kind of the physical setback that you had your new self your new physical self could adapt to that uh so talk to us about why rowing and then those early days of really how you got it off the ground because i've seen a lot about how you perceived the former brand or industry of rowing and how you've tried to reinvent it in your own mind so talk to us about those early days
1: the early days I was not interested in rowing because I mm. thought of I thought of Winkleboss twins. Right? <laughs> and then I went to Bitcoin and then I like had to pull myself back. So, yeah. in the beginning, I was actually pretty turned off by it. Just these stereotypes that had been ingrained in me for the first 25 years of my life. And but it was the research and learning more about it that really got me thinking, "Hey, this is an unsung hero." This thing mm-hmm. torches calories, it's low impact, in it's total body why is there nowhere to do this? And it was that question that really kept me up at night, compounded mm-hmm. with the fact that I had been you know, pushing my body and thinking I was doing everything right, and it turns out I was hurt. And how many people were out there like me? It turns out there were a lot. My friend ran the yeah. marathon with a torn meniscus. So it was a moment where I thought to myself, hey, I think there's a way to make this sexy and cool and mainstream in an interval-based hit class. So that was the uh-huh. initial idea. And, you know, everyone's got an idea, Paul, but it's all about the execution.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that. Because to your point, everybody does have an idea. At least I, I hope. I almost want to inspire new ideas. I always get asked the question of where do you get your next idea from? And I'm like, absorb old ones, and it should inspire new ones. So if I was to ask you, in terms of you're making it sound and... Th- Easy is the wrong word, but like, it it sounds like I know that there was so much more trial and tribulation in the journey and the setback of the physical piece, but then you shift from idea to execution. So if I was to ask you, the outcome is you brought it to life. What gave you the courage to bring it to life?
1: Oh, that's a great question. The idea is the easy part. (laughs) It's the easy part. It's the fun part. It's yeah. the part that you know movies are made of, and you know there's romance around that area of entrepreneurship. I really didn't want to. is probably the initial reaction. Mm. Um, I I was doing quite well in my career. I thought I would continue to be an executor, a COO for someone. You know, continue to grow there. I didn't want to be the person that had the idea. But a piece of advice that was given to me was one decision at a time. Just keep on making mm. decisions to move the company forward. And that, you know, people often ask me, where was the jump in moment? Right? Yeah. What was the moment that you decided to start the company? And there was not a moment, there was just a continuation of small decisions. I'm going to put the first 25K into the business. I'm going to talk to a lawyer and learn about an operating agreement. I'm going to go take this course. I'm going to go look at some real estate. I'm going to put it in an LOI. The mm-hmm. biggest decision I made in that first year while I was doing the full slide hustle, I never quit my job, by the way, because to me, this was still just an idea for the first mm-hmm. 18 months. It was just an idea I could pull out any time. Even after we had press written about us and we had a Twitter account, it was still just an idea. The biggest decision was signing a lease for a physical location. But even then, I thought, worst case scenario, I could turn this into a co-working space or a yoga studio.
0: Hmm. Wow, so this was in the side hustle lane, right? And and I've heard you in as you know Google's our best friend. So I've heard you chat with some other folks about how I believe it wasn't until the money was coming in that that's when you officially said, "All right, peace out to my old Corporate job, and now I'm all in on City Row. What about for everybody listening in, whether it's a potential leap into entrepreneurship or just a potential leap in life? Like, we always hear the themes of chasing your passion or pursuing your purpose. Like, what's your take on that? If we're faced with a big decision like you were, are there some tactics or strategies or mindsets that you say, you know what? I've made some decisions in my past, to your point, one decision at a time. I'm sure you've made phenomenal decisions, and I'm sure, like I have, we've made horrible decisions, but what's something that we could share with our community in terms of when you're facing a fork in the road, thinking about a big leap, what should we be thinking about? How do we process it?
1: It starts with yourself and knowing yourself really well, and I'm just taking that decision that you highlighted of when's the right time to quit your job, to go all in on something, and... I, kind of going back to knowing yourself, know what drains you and what fills you up. Because mm. you can do the stuff that fills you up all day long. You can do that for 20 hours a day, but you cannot do the stuff that drains you for probably more than two or three hours a day. So I say that in the context of, I did a side hustle with building City Row while I worked for a fast growing tech company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I waited too long to quit my job because I was afraid.
0: Afraid of?
1: Not being able to make money. I was afraid that it wasn't actually going to launch. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to pull any kind of salary, that there'd be no dollars coming in, and I'd be destitute. Yeah. In retrospect, I should have taken a closer look at myself and realized, and again, I was very young when I started the company. I was 25 years old. So this is me looking back. Yes. All right. This is me looking back. Thought I was yeah. superhuman. I could you know, burn the candle at both ends. I would take morning meetings and evening meetings and pop over here for lunch. I was, put, I was draining myself just too much when to start up. So know yourself and know where you're depleting your energy. I'm a big fan of not managing your time, but managing your energy. We can all have time management. If you're a competent person, you can figure out your calendar for the day, but it takes a more sophisticated person to understand how to manage your energy. And when I am going right. out there and pitching multiple times per day, I can't do anything during the other hours. I have, to, I have to pause. And it's taken me many years to learn that, but in retrospect, I wish that I had quit my corporate job a little earlier to be able to dedicate a little bit more time to this and not burn myself out. So I say that in the context of be very self-aware mm-hmm. and take care of yourself first and foremost, and that will take care of the business or the, or the ideas and the initiatives.
0: Yeah, you know what's really fascinating about this, Helene, is I always get asked a question about, so I'm a 15-year sports industry guy, NFL, NBA. If you're a sports fan, I was in the dream job, dream career. Not a damn thing was wrong in my life, nothing. But then it led to a Jerry Maguire moment. I didn't have the goldfish in the little baggie, but same concept, that I took this leap, and it was because my executive coach from University of Michigan, shout out Go Blue, we share that in common. So in the executive MBA program I was going through, I'm sitting down with my coach and she got me to break down, what do I love about what do I do when I'm the head of sales for the Niners? What I love about it, what do I hate about it, and what's in the middle? Which we could say, love, hate, tolerate. Put your activities into those three buckets. And basically, the outcome of that conversation was I realized that I only love 10 to 20% of my day, even though on LinkedIn it's perfect and I'm in a dream job and dream career, or so I thought. And so mentally, at the end of that conversation, I knew that a leap was probably in my future. It still took months and months of real world hard decisions, like you said. But I think that's really fascinating that you brought us there. So let me ask you this. If your day-to-day, it's binary, it either drains you or it fills you up. For everybody listening in, what are those signs, what are those cues of the things that fill you up? Like, are there questions that you should be asking yourself? Is it, what are you curious about? Like, I just wanna bring everybody in because I think this is a massive, massive takeaway. How do you know when stuff fills you up?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. I, I think, it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a tactic that's built over time. I can't say that I've always had this ability, but maybe just take a temperature gauge with yourself multiple times for the day, right? After you're on a sales call, how do you feel? And listen, you can like something and have it be draining, right? I love a sales call. Mm. I love okay. taping these podcasts with you, but they do take up energy and that's mm-hmm. okay. These things are not mutually exclusive because then you can you know, figure out, okay, I love these things, they're draining. So how do I do them for three to four hours a day and then fill the rest with some more you know, ambient elements? So take a temperature gauge of yourself throughout the day. See how you're feeling. Right. See if a mm-hmm. meditation helps. See if a walk helps. Uh, but I think you know the days of you know a traditional eight-hour workday are far behind us. So think about what you need to do for yourself to feel really energized throughout the day. And sometimes that means taking a break and doing a workout in the middle of the day. I'm a big fan of a sure. a midday yeah. workout. Right. Mm-hmm. So managing your energy. Take a temperature gauge. When are you tired? Right. And I'm not saying after you had like you know a pastry in the middle of the day because that's <coughs> on you. <laughs> Right. But just it's it, it just takes self-awareness. It's kind of like a um it's a it's a tool within yourself that you have to train. So just start paying attention to yourself.
0: Got it. So it and to your point, it all comes back to what you've shared consistently through this conversation, self-awareness, which our community knows that's what I Talk about self-awareness is the foundation of emotional intelligence. It's awareness of self, awareness of others, awareness of situation, but it starts with self. Same concept with leadership. Before you lead others, lead yourself. So let's go there in the sense of you are an ultra successful, and these are my words, but please pat on the back for you, ultra successful entrepreneur, badass founder, and I could keep, keep going with your bio and your credentials. And I know that the best days are still ahead. I know that you're a hard charger that's destined for even more amazing things. But if I was to say, all right, let's figuratively, we're going to write a book on how to become an entrepreneur, succeed as an entrepreneur. And this is some of what we were talking about offline. So now I'm going to bring it online. And you and I, we're respective thought leaders. We've got our communities. You're thinking about a book in your future, and I'm not going to title it, but essentially, you know, it's, it's the real stuff of entrepreneurship and it might be the opposite of what you could see on a place like Shark Tank. So talk to us about your vision for the book, the thesis of the book, because I think this will be a fascinating place to riff on.
1: Yes. First of all, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to even more amazing days ahead and sharing them with you. Yeah. So hypothetically speaking, if I was if I were to be writing a book, which I, I might be. I might be. You might I, be. I can't I can't um, wait. Flew by. Got I it. can't wait to come back. For me, it's about sharing with people what it really takes. And again, like I mentioned earlier, the idea is the easy part of it. It's the execution and it's riding the daily wave of highs of highs and lows of lows that you really need to be prepared for. And that takes everything that you know grit resilience, a support Mm -hmm. system, an unwavering belief in what you're doing. (sighs) This can't just be, I think this is a great idea, I wanna make money. I firmly believe that this needs to be a deep calling and speak Mm. to your intrinsic self for you to be able to ride those highs of highs and lows of lows. Because let me tell you, nine times out of 10, not more, there's going to be some pretty low moments, Mm -hmm. really low moments. And you know, can share some that involve losing leases and being forced to change our name in the middle of everything. I can remember crying on the streets of Canal Street, getting that phone call to running out of money, having to miss payroll, credit cards Uh. being shut off. And these are not the things that you hear about in the Inc. Magazine article. No. It's being romance. And so I think it's really important to share with people what they're getting themselves into. I'm a big fan of entrepreneurship. I say jump in, but the water is really cold. Yeah. So let me show you what's in so, the water.
0: Hmm. Qualities and characteristics of an entrepreneur. You mentioned almost a handful, and I'm sure it's a longer list, but if I was to say core things, grit, resilience, support system, a deep and intrinsic belief. And then the one that probably just... I got goosebumps. It's tough to see here on Zoom. But I got goosebumps when you say a deep calling. Because as somebody that believes that purpose is that differentiator in life. And I hope and pray that everybody can find that deeper purpose during their time here. How how do you go about... Like for you, what what is that deep calling? I know what you do, but... what's your why? What is that calling for Helene?
1: I think it's really important to know that you have that if you're going to jump into something that's vulnerable as a career. Yeah. Because money or fame or a title, a fancy title somewhere, isn't going to help you through the moments that you question if this is the right thing to do or not. And for me, that why is knowing that I can help people move their bodies in a better and smarter way, hopefully stay off the operating table, be able to play tennis or hike or play golf or whatever your jam is, well into your 70s, 80s, or 90s. I would like to be an angry grandma on a tennis court. (laughs) I'd like to keep my knees. And for everyone, that's different. But... For so many people, movement is such an important part of their lifestyle, not just for exercise, but also for, you know, mental well-being and, you know, emotional stability and happiness and social and getting away from screens. So, City Row is not about like, you know, a workout. It's about longevity. We always say we're mm. here for, you know, we're, we're not longevity over leaderboards is who we are. And for me that calling is an opportunity to really, really make this available to anyone, no matter where they are, there is a better and smarter way to move your body. You can still get that fun and that excitement that you're looking for, but let us take care of you because I wasn't Mm -hmm. taken care of and I was pretty pissed about it.
0: Mm. Gotcha. Now this is really good because thinking about your physical uh, setback and, and with your back, and so that if that was your pain, your why was essentially born from that pain. You had to experience that. Otherwise, the mission, the calling is not to create more movement and longevity for people, but coming from that, those depths of pain, that that's really interesting. So if we were to now pivot and we're coming off of entrepreneurship and now let's take it to global Leadership. Here you are leading an enterprise. So, first of all, just give us the facts, figures, Uh, talk to us about City Row, maybe from just number of locations. And I understand the pandemic gives it a little bit of context, but just talk to us about where you're at, where you're headed, just so we can establish a foundation. And then I've got some more uh, tactical and strategy and execution questions that I'd love to dive into.
1: Yeah. So, we started in New York City. We have two corporate locations there. We have 65 franchises that have been awarded nationwide with 11 open across the country, Mm. everywhere from Denver to Portland to Atlanta to Boca to Waukee, Iowa to all over California and Texas, not to mention Plainview, Long Island. So those are just a couple that we have open right now. We'll plan to open a couple more later this year and then obviously throughout 2022 and beyond. On the digital side of things, we launched in 2018. We have two growers in the market today. One is a very affordable price point where you use your own phone or your own tablet to stream our classes. We very much believe in affordability. And then we have a higher Mm -hmm. priced one at the $21.95 with the fancy tablet for people that are really looking for that entire immersive experience. $29 a month for the subscription. We've got close to 4,000 paying customers nationwide and also available in about 15 countries for our iOS and our Android app. So for us, this year is all about obvi- you know, obviously bringing back the in-person community because we know sure. that our customers are craving community while also continuing to provide a really robust at-home experience for those that can't or don't want to get to a physical location right now. And then you know, providing some cool moments in between. Um, we're very yeah. much all-access Omnichannel. So that's a little bit about the stats of where we're at today.
0: Yeah, so with all those locations, I, I think it's really fascinating how... I talk about culture all the time. And to me, culture is easy in a startup environment. I always give the analogy that once you outgrow being able to sit around a single table, culture gets really hard. So for you, that you have a vision, you've got a strategy, you want to execute, you want to build community in your case. How do you keep it from, where was it again in Iowa? I might. That was the one that I didn't recognize. Where was that? It's a
1: town called Waukee.
0: Waukee. All right. So from places like Waukee, to the L.A.s and New Yorks of the world. How do you maintain a consistent standard and brand and community and culture when you're literally in every corner of the States? Like, how do you do that?
1: Luckily, I am not the first person to do it. So there are some epic playbooks and best practices. And so we took the best of the best and we put together really robust brand guidelines, really robust playbooks, And that is how we built our franchisor system with some fantastic partners to help us get there. So we have a really strong foundation that all of our franchisees have subscribed to. And part of that relationship is they are committed to adhering to those. And they want to, right? You are only as strong as your weakest franchisee. Mm -hmm. And I know that we have a tremendous... Group of franchisees, because I've met them all, and I looked them all in the eye, and I got to know them all. So yeah. it is a very—we we are not the first people to franchise the business, uh, and so we—we we did not—we did not try and reinvent the wheel here, but we did try and steal the best of the best and make sure that we have the right program systems, quality assurance in place, and you know all of our programming, which is really our secret sauce, secret sauce of the brand, right? are smart fitness comes from corporate, and then it's all about mm-hmm. dissemination. So again, kind of goes back into that execution. But um, culture is really important, and it's—I'm uh, very happy with where we've, how how we've expanded so far, and excited for the next wave of franchises to open based off of not just our initial learnings at corporate, but also for the first dozen.
0: As we take a quick break from today's interview, a reminder of gratitude for our sponsor Audible, who is offering each and every playmaker a free audiobook and 30-day free trial when you visit Audible. Dot playmakerspod.com. If there's one thing I've seen in most successful people that I've come across, there are a few consistent habits, none greater than the daily practice of leveling up through the power of reading. Some of us like to crack a book open while others prefer to listen in to our favorite authors narrate their written work of art. What could be better than a platform like Audible To make this habit a reality, to download your free audiobook today, go to audible.playmakerspod.com. It's time to level up. So, if you think about the ecosystem of how we run the business, if leaders such as us and a lot of folks listening in, leaders set the tone for culture, and culture sets the tone for our people, and people drive our business. So if that's the ecosystem that we're living in, it all starts by leading from the front. What have you learned about leadership in your journey from day one to present day? What are those key learnings, insights, whether it came from something that you did well or quite the opposite? Maybe there's some do-overs or some hard left turns. Talk to us about your leadership journey.
1: Wow. Well, when I started the company, I was a very, I I don't want to say shy, but I was still coming around to the notion that I was some kind of fitness mogul because I still had this mentality that I was a, you know, former chubby kid who was still kind of like trying to lose the baby weight. Like that's the mentality mm. that I came in. So, definitely, you know, guilty of a lot of imposter syndrome, particularly in the in the early mm. days, and I'm not afraid to, you know, admit that because it's a huge part of my journey. But I think it comes from leading with empathy. Mm. I'm a listener first and foremost. I think it's really important to understand people and understand what moves people and drives people. I had to first learn that with myself, but for everyone on my team, I think it's really important to understand what moves them. And Mm -hmm. kind of going back to that, you know, this is a calling. I think you can have, you know, three different things. You can have a job, you can have a career, or you can have a calling. And if Mm -hmm. you're there for a job, you're just literally, it's like, it's work to live, right? And it's I- It's a paycheck, hold,
0: that's it.
1: I respect that. And that is, you have to acknowledge that, but I have a lot of respect for it. There's there are some days, Paul, that I wish that could be me, right? I wish that I could show up for a couple hours, take a paycheck and then not take it home with me. Career is, I wanna keep moving, I wanna keep growing one step at a time, I wanna get here. A mm-hmm. calling is all of that intrinsic and it doesn't need to be mutually exclusive with the others, but it means that it can carry you through hard times or uncertainty, or maybe I deserve a raise, but but like the company can't support it quite yet. And you know what, in 2020, and I know this from the resilience that I've seen both in my corporate team, as well as our franchisees, those that know this is a calling and believe so deeply in what we're doing and the communities that they are building and the people that they are literally changing, are the ones that are going to come out of this. And I very much believe that if you survive, Mm. you win, but it is not easy to survive.
0: Ah, love that. So you just gave us a masterclass on perhaps how to take, so the three levels are job, career, and calling, you just talked about, if I'm a career person in present day, how do I find that calling? What's a potential process? I thought you tackled that beautifully. Let's drill down one level deeper to the job level. If somebody listening in is currently in what they would categorize as a job, they don't feel it's a part of a career. Maybe it's a yet. Maybe it's just, hey, wrong place, wrong time, whatever it is. Or maybe it's somebody that's on the sidelines because of the pandemic and the after effects of it. Regardless, they're definitely not in the career or calling bucket. They're in a job area, but they want to build a career, what advice or tactics or perspective would you give the person that's currently at a job level, but at minimum they want a career eventually, Hey, we'll have the calling combo, but that feels a little out of stretch job to career. Talk to us about what we can do to go from one level to the next.
1: I'm going to go back to our previous conversation and get to know yourself a little bit better and really start to know about your strengths and weaknesses. I'm not saying like I'm conscientious and I'm good at this, like really be like straight up real with yourself and start to learn what you're good at and what you're not. Mm. I've learned that I'm good at a lot of things and I'm pretty bad at other things. And having a good sense of that can help, help you shape where you might be best in a career. If you're in a sales role and it's like a nine to five, but like turns out you're way more of a marketer or maybe data, right? Do you like people? Yeah. Do you not like people? Does that fill you up? Does that, you know, drain you? learn about yourself. And then it's like one step at a time, one research at a time, talking to one person at a time that you think could be a good fit, right? So this is just like Mm. in the early days of finding a new job, interview people, talk to people, get a sense, try something, right? doesn't hurt to like take a random class. There's so much free content and see what lights you up at the end of the day. I would be a very bad designer. Like I would be the worst possible designer. My co-founder is constantly like, I don't even understand your feedback on this stuff. <laughs> and our designer, Jessie, like I, I sometimes I think she reads my mind, but like I am, I am very bad at that. So like, and I know that. And so I don't even give myself the ability to chime in anymore, right? And that's mm-hmm. some deep self-awareness right there. So back to self-awareness and really seeing what, what's pulling me, what's, what's lighting me up. And that should give you a nice trigger. I think one other quick piece of advice is what do you love? And this came from an, my, one of my mom's best friends early in the day who was also figuring out like where should I start my career and where do I go? And someone asked her, what do you love? And she's like, I love magazines and ice cream. Fast forward 30 years, she's running PR for all of Conde Nast. Wow. So you talk about wow. what's going to carry mm. you through. If you're working on something that you actually really like, that's probably a good place to start.
0: And those are probably some of those questions. I feel like you've just been coaching, not only myself, but others, because one of the things you said that was really moving was, no pun intended, but you said, find out what moves people and you talk more relative to your team. But I feel like those types of questions such as, what do you love? What are you passionate about? I love your advice of sometimes you just got to go try stuff. I've always been given the advice that curiosity sparks passion. Passion sparks purpose. So rather than start by thinking, what's my greater purpose? That's too out there sometimes. It's a little in the clouds. But what are you curious about? What what itches do you want to scratch? And maybe there's a weekend class or an hour here, an hour there. And you go scratch a couple itches and maybe it's itch number 10. And you're like, huh, that actually felt pretty good. And then you do it again and again and again. And you're like, holy shit, it's a passion. And then you do it again and again and again, and you're like, oh my gosh, maybe in 30 years, I'm going to end up at And <laughs> Anyway, so that I love the way that you just broke that down. So if we were to shift now, we talked about leadership and we talked about culture. For you, you spoke a little bit about the long-term impact that you want to have. But when you reflect back and you say, success looks like... So kind of transport yourself to the future. What has to happen between now and the future for you to say, you know what? I'm going to, and Helene, I'm going to add to it, not just success, but significance. What's your vision of how you're going to achieve success and significance? No pressure, Paul. Hey, that's how we roll on Playmakers, Helene.
1: So I've done a lot of reading over the years and I very much believe in building a company that lasts, you know, Jim Collins, big fan of his. Good yeah. to great, built to last. I want to build something that outlasts me. And mm-hmm. I mean that in, I want our franchisees to be able to make this something that allows them to quit their job. Right? For a lot of our franchisees, this is a calling. Mm-hmm. I want this to be the thing that allows them to get rid of those golden handcuffs. And start to, spirit, to, to, to create that next generation of people that are passionate about treating their bodies in the right way i want to welcome people daily into our at-home experience who might be afraid i want to make sure that we have a place that people feel welcome no matter who they are and what their socioeconomic you know levels are and what where their fitness levels are and i want that to continue and notice i didn't say anything about rowing but i'm Mm -hmm. i'm talking about smart fitness and i have to give my co-founder ashley credit in early on creating our core tenants. Nowhere do you see rowing in there, but if those core tenants are still true to who we are far after, you know, I leave, then that would be successful and significant.
0: I love it. What are those core tenants?
1: I'll give you a couple cause there's, there, there's a lot, but uh, okay. <laughs> it's accessibility. So we believe in accessibility for everyone
0: mm-hmm.
1: and scalability, meaning we can be an amazing place for a triathlete to crush a 50-minute workout, but we can also be a place for people who are starting for the first time ever doing a workout. And my mother mm-hmm. can take class at the same mm-hmm. time. And that is very important to us that we are not elitists. And again, we are longevity over leaderboards. So those are those are a couple of our core tenants, And then... You know, obviously from a culture perspective, which you touched on earlier, this is a place that people want to want to go to work for. And I'm very Mm. proud of that culture that we've built today. And, um, I'm very, very grateful for the team that has chosen this as their calling.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so good. So good. Well, I know a lot of your journey has been. Look, it's a commonly used word. I don't even know how I feel about it. Sometimes I like the word, sometimes I don't. It depends on the context. But you always hear the word disruptor. And you know, there's group A that just kind of goes with the flow. In my words, it's a lot of playing defense. They kind of let the market dictate the terms and they're always on their heels versus playing offense. You're on your toes, you're playing on your terms, you're in control of your future. That's the type of offense versus defense piece. And that's really, if I was to answer this question, then I want to ask it to you. When I was once asked about the world sees X, but you see Y, kind of that hidden truth, like that unpopular truth that you have. And my version was, I think we're surrounded by a lot of folks that perhaps have a defensive mindset. And my mission is to flip that on its head because I think life is too short. And you got to play off. And so, if I was to challenge you with that type of question, in terms of maybe it's an unpopular truth or a hidden truth that you have, but the majority of the world feels X and you feel Y, how would you respond to that?
1: I think that's okay. You know, diversity diversity makes the world go round. And listen, we're crazy, right? Like, if ever if everyone was like us, like who knows what, what what the world would look like? And I think that that's totally fine. Just. Make sure that you're doing what makes sense for you. And I, I also want to acknowledge that entrepreneurship is not for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it shouldn't be for everyone because it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, no, that's the first time that somebody's called me crazy and I actually enjoyed it. So thank you. I'm that, calling that's us pretty awesome. Crazy,
1: crazy, <laughs> but we're sitting <laughs> in the same uh, us, boat. Us.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're locking arms. I totally get it.
1: Are you denying I, it?
0: No, no, no. There's got to be a little crazy to be, uh, frankly, there's got to be some crazy to pursue success, significance, purpose, impact, calling, legacy. And I could keep going. You could tell I have zero passion for this space. But honestly, to really go all in on that stuff, you got to be a little crazy. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean it in like, in like, I call it a healthy obsession. I think you need to have a healthy obsession with whatever. If you have a calling, you have to have a healthy obsession. That's my take.
1: I like healthy obsession a lot. I also think like the word crazy can be, you know, swapped out for many other things. I really like talking about courage and vulnerability. <clears throat> Big Brene Brown, Brown fan over yes, here. Yes, right? love but, her. But it's also like you, whatever the quality is that you want to describe, that's going to, you know, give you that to jump in. And I think you know you talked about this a lot of like how does someone you know start to think about making a move. And something that I've struggled with over the years is like, oh my God, it's such a big jump. It's such a big decision. The water is so cold. But advice that I keep on getting is one step at a time, one splash of water at a time, one small step at a time, one conversation, one Google, Mm -hmm. one little thing. And those little things might be really, really hard in the beginning and that's okay. Because it's still progress, and it's, to your point, curiosity.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And Brene Brown, for everybody listening in, I hope that you not only have read her stuff and watched the TED Talk and just absorbed the beauty of her message. She goes all in, as you said, on courage and vulnerability, I feel like in this conversation, we've definitely double clicked on courage. Let's talk a little bit of vulnerability. How has that shown up for you in your life? And what advice would you have for somebody that maybe they're, they live in a world? And I'll say this, my old corporate world, especially you think of sports and alpha and fill in the blank. There ain't a lot of vulnerability in that space. But ever since I have seen the power of vulnerability. So talk to us about the impact vulnerabilities had on your life and maybe some advice for somebody that hasn't been as vulnerable, but how they can step into that space.
1: From my experience, it's from been your experience. In, just to start, it's been in, wow, like there are so many things that I need help with here. And by opening that up and showing people what's under the hood, and it's not all rainbows and butterflies, wow, are they gonna run away, right? It's, you know, bringing someone to the company, whether it's a new hire, an investor, it's not that different from dating someone, right? And saying, this is all of me. Do you accept me or not? And that just keeps on coming when you start a company. In the early days, it's bringing on employees and then it's bringing on investors. And, you know, we're at the point now where, you know, I'm raising institutional capital for the first time. And it's basically like, I'm putting myself on a platter, platter, right? I'm putting everything out there and I'm saying, do you like it or not?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Wow.
0: Yeah.
1: And because the the business in some ways is is an extension of me and it's taken, you know, a lot of, you know, work and self-awareness over many years to realize like, listen, if someone's not interested, it's not about you, it's about them. But yeah. it doesn't, it's not easy. Vulnerability is never easy. It's just the way that you approach it. And knowing that to your point, it's progress.
0: Yeah. and, and- for the audience, I think this is all connected because you've talked consistently about knowing yourself. Part of knowing yourself is authenticity. And if you're being authentic, then you're more likely to be vulnerable because you understand who you are. I'm not critiquing folks that maybe haven't taken that deep dive in that immersive self reflection. But if you haven't, it's really hard to be authentic and vulnerable and live with purpose and all that because that's your core identity. That's just who you are for better or worse. So something for you, you talked about strengths, weaknesses, and just a fun little exercise because I think there's different philosophies on this. And I I don't know if there's a right or wrong. I certainly have an opinion, would love to pick your brain. So let's say you get a report card and you get an A, an A minus, a B, and a D. Some people think double down on the A and become the best A plus in the world at that, whatever that subject is, versus some people say, fix the freaking D. Where do you fall on that? If this is a double down on strengths versus correct the weaknesses, like what's your take on that?
1: My take is optimize for strengths. Mm. So my take, it's just learn. Okay, whatever you got the D in, go in a different direction. Focus your energy on the A's or the B's that can become A's. Like I always believe in putting your best people on the opportunity that you're Mm -hmm. driving your own truck so i am going to always put myself on the biggest opportunities for the business but not when it comes to designing something right Mm -hmm. because i have a Mm d over there actually never even took the class because i know i'd fail but that's kind of going into self-awareness and also understanding of your team of knowing like hey this person over here who's really good at her lane she's an a plus over here would be a d over here that's just That is management, both of yourself and also of others. So I say optimize for the A's and just watch for the D's and know that's not where you should be playing. And your career and calling are probably not in that realm.
0: Not in that realm. And also, but rather than wave a white flag, find somebody, especially in a team environment, to compliment, right? Because your D may be somebody else's A and vice versa. And now you can really have that complimentary piece.
1: And now we're getting into building teams, but you know, yeah. rule number one, complementary skill sets. My mm-hmm. co-founder and I could not be more different in those ways.
0: Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So personal home stretch here. You could have a cup of coffee with anybody dead or alive. Who would it be? And what is one thing that you would love to learn from them?
1: Oh my God, this is so hard. Give me the, the, the work questions all day long. Um, I'm, I'm doing two, but they, they are two different categories. The first would be cool. my grandfather, um, who mm. passed away when I was 18 years old. But he was also an entrepreneur and built a very large construction business. Mm. And I would just love to get his take on what I'm doing right now, because he obviously grew up in a different yeah. world where, you know, women weren't necessarily the people that were doing this. And he was an old school guy, but I would just love to have a cup of coffee with him about this. And I think it'd be very cool. Um, And then, you know, Michelle Obama, because obviously.
0: Why not? Yeah. Well, what's one thing you'd want to take from that combo?
1: everything about her and who shops for her and just <laughs> how how she carries through. I mean, she is, she is a true queen and an inspiration. And the way that she's able to touch so many people while also hating the spotlight is, I just, I, I bow down to her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Love that. All right. I'm going to do another one. And you could say these are a lot harder and I'm totally cool with it. If we were to... Film a movie about your life. What actress would play you and why? Gal Gadot. Okay. Because she's
1: stunning and ripped. <laughs> stunning and, she's, and ripped. And she's Israeli. And as a Jew, that's important to me. But also like, you know, I would love for Gal, Gal Gadot to be a rowing queen. Mm -hmm. checks a lot of boxes for me.
0: Phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right. This is going to be the mic drop. The entire world is listening in and you could share one thought. What would it be?
1: Do what makes you happy. Mm. I'm, I'm I'm going boring for this one, but it kind of carries through in knowing your strengths and finding that intrinsic motivation and, life's too short. So, you know, make sure that that energy that you've and the way that you structure your day and your hours is, you know, optimizing for your happiness. You just never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Optimize for happiness. That is mic drop worthy. Thank you so much, Elaine. Honestly, this was just a super cool combo. I know everybody listening in is going to take so much out of it. The inspirational backstory of becoming an entrepreneur, the falls, the comebacks, the transformations, and then just getting to know your personal character and philosophy. Like just know that you're going to impact a lot of folks that are listening in. So just continue to inspire, continue to build, continue to lead. And with that, would love for everybody to come into your community and your world. So where can folks find you, whether it's personal, professional, whatever you'd like to share, would love to welcome our Playmaker community to really just hop on the Elaine bandwagon because we're just such massive fans of you from this point forward.
1: We'd love to have you, cityrow.com, at cityrow on Instagram, at App on Instagram or find me on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, would love to show you guys what we're building and hopefully everyone you know makes those those small moves that need that you need to get to that next level. And even a small little step is a big one.
0: Yep, small little steps, one decision at a time. And if it gets you closer to your happiness, then that is the game that we want to be playing. So thank you so much, Helene, and we will talk to you real soon. Thanks,
1: Paul. Take care.
0: What an awesome conversation with Helene. And what I especially loved was how she got us to take an inward look to better understand what drives us and, as Helene said, what intrinsically motivates us. So with that inspiration... It's now time for all of us, you and I, to make a play together. In my book, The Power of Playing Offense, I have an exercise that guides individuals and teams to understand the four cornerstones of intrinsic motivation. The four are purpose, choice, progress, and impact. Let's quickly define each. Purpose is our level of meaning. Choice is the level of say that you have in your daily environment. Progress is the level of momentum that you can create. And impact is the level where you can make a difference. So now let's roll our sleeves up and bring this to action. What I've done is I've created a scorecard so that you can create a current state score for all four areas. Again, the four areas, purpose, choice, progress, and impact. And then after focusing on leveling up in each area, you can do a future state check-in. So this scorecard, it can be downloaded now at powerofplayingoffense.com. I'll repeat that, powerofplayingoffense.com. Once you get there, scroll down to the book resources, log in, and click the high-performance team scorecard. Feel free to engage with this, whether it's individually or with your team. It's multifaceted in that way. And you'll also see that there's two other categories after the four which are systems and capabilities that's tied to some content from the book which of course you can check out but for purpose of this exercise look at the first four areas of purpose choice progress and impact so i'm excited for you to check all that out and then be intentional over the next 30 days take your current state score and then in 30 days check back in that's your future state score if i can support in any way Just send me a DM on LinkedIn. I'm always here to help a playmaker. For now, let's head over to powerofplayingoffense.com. I'll see you there. Loved what you just heard? Share it with another playmaker. And for all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy additional resources from today's show, but all previous episodes as well. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you get your favorite podcasts. If you gain significant value from today's episode and genuinely feel that you have leveled up, give us a five-star rating. And between now and the next Playmakers episode, let's stay connected. Hit me up on LinkedIn, at Paul Epstein, or Instagram, at Paul Epstein Speaks. Playmakers is produced by Motown Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Labs. Wishing you a high-impact week of action and purpose. See you next time on Playmakers.